The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today, we conclude a message begun yesterday where we continue exploring the Bible topic of the new birth. The new birth is a reality in the life of every child of God. We saw in the first messages on this topic that the new birth occurs solely by the sovereign act of the Holy Spirit and not through the means of men. Yesterday, we began to understand that the new birth is not a new truth. It was taught in the Old Testament and indeed it has been required since Adam plunged the human race into sin. From that point forward, every single child of God, as Jesus put it, must be born again. Today we finish looking at the Old Testament verses that teach us about the new birth, and we begin to ask the question, what happens in the new birth? What is it that occurs when someone is born again, and does it leave its mark? By the end of this sermon, I believe you'll be convinced through the scripture that the new birth leaves its mark on every child of God when it occurs because God writes his laws, his royal law of love, into the heart and mind of every child of God. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. In Christ alone, my hope is
I don't have time to go there, but if you go just the very next chapter and read it sometime about the valley of the dry bones, I know a lot of times people try to make that into something about eschatology and end times. Beloved, I believe it's just teaching us a little more about the new birth. All that flesh and all those bones are brought together. There was nothing to animate them until the Spirit of God blew upon them. <laughs> Isn't that glorious? Isn't that glorious? The, the, you know, that's what you and I were. We were nothing but bone and sinews and flesh until the Lord animated us in a spiritual sense. We were just flesh. We were dead in trespasses and sins until the Lord animated us. Lazarus was nothing but, uh, but corrupted flesh laying there in that grave. In fact, his sisters even said, Lord, by this time he's stinking. The evidence of corruption is upon him. But oh, when the Lord spoke his name and said, Lazarus, come forth, that body was reanimated from a physical sense. And beloved, that's the way it works in a spiritual sense as well. We are animated. Over in Jeremiah chapter 31, it's getting even a little more plain as we go along. In Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31. I'm fixing to read some Old Testament scriptures that if you're a New Testament Bible reader is going to sound a little bit familiar. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, Although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. In other words, the, the covenant I'm about to tell you about is a spiritual covenant, not something about physical locations or geography. It's something else. Verse 33, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Now, if you're like me, that kind of rings a bell. So keep your finger there and turn over to Hebrews again. But this time, go to the 10th chapter and look at the 16th verse. And notice what it says here. This is the writer to the Hebrews saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. He's quoting directly from over there. And you know what he's pointing out here? He's pointing out that the new birth is a fact, and it is not a new truth, it is an old truth. He didn't make something else up, he used the Old Testament to prove what happens in the new birth. And by the way, hopefully we're going to see that before the sermon's over tonight. If not, we'll come back to it at a later time, but understand that the new birth brings a change. It makes a change, and Nicodemus didn't understand that, even though he was a master in Israel and the Lord marveled at the fact that he didn't understand these things. The new birth was taught in the Old Testament. And by the way, it was demonstrated in the Old Testament. You don't have to turn there, but I want to point out a couple of places 
where it's, you can just write these down if you like. For the sake of time, I'm not going to turn there. What about David? In the 22nd Psalm, now I know that 22nd Psalm is a messianic psalm. It starts off with, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And that's not, you know, years later, hundreds of years later, people will say, well, Jesus was quoting David. Actually, the truth is David was quoting Jesus in prospect. <laughs> Jesus was not quoting David in retrospect. David was quoting Jesus in prospect. God had given him this that he might show forth from a first-hand account, by the way, what was going to happen on the cross. It's the only, Psalm 22 is the only first-hand account from Jesus' perspective of what was going on on the cross. The Gospels tell it from a third-person perspective of what people were seeing and what they, they saw and what happened. But from Psalm 22, you can understand just how horrible it was for Christ on the cross. But it was also David's experience. David was not just saying something that wasn't true. A lot of those psalms are the, uh, the psalmist speaking what they're experiencing and saying them some things that are true to them, but that also will be true about Christ. And notice in Psalm 22 and verses 9 and 10, he says, But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breasts. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. In other words, in David's own experience, he had been born again from the time he was a toddler, from the time he was an infant upon his mother's breasts. He said, thou made me to hope when I was upon my mother's breast. Jeremiah is another example from the Old Testament. We've heard about uh, the new birth occurring in the womb when it came to John the Baptist. In Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, God tells Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. That's the doctrine of election. Before he was ever in existence at all, he said, I knew thee. But notice, then he said, And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Sanctification is setting apart. Sanctification occurs in the new birth. Sanctification is, is setting one apart from the old nature and into the new nature. Here's a man who was born again in the womb in the Old Testament. He was already sanctified before he was born. By the way, have you ever thought about the fact that the thief on the cross was born again under the Old Testament economy? Really? Jesus hadn't died yet, and up to the time he died, the law hadn't been fulfilled to a jot and to a tittle as it was going to be with his death. And before he died, the thief on the cross was born again. And there's another one where the new birth occurred in the Old Testament times. The new birth is an old truth. Now, we ask the question, what is it that we get in the new birth? Well, I want you to understand something about the new birth. I realize sometimes we're criticized as primitive Baptists and others who believe this truth in that we don't believe the gospel and the, and the gospel uh, preaching is necessary or even a part of the new birth. And, and they'll say, well, you just believe when you're born again, nothing happens, nothing changes. And that, that did go around one time. I know I heard, I've heard the old hollow log theory that, in other words, the, uh, the new birth is just like a rabbit running through a hollow log. It runs through there and, and doesn't make any changes or leave anything new. But what happens to us when we're born again? Well, first of all, remember that um, the voice of the Son of God speaks to us. 
And I don't read anywhere in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, where the Son of God showed up on the scene and spoke to anybody where something didn't change. You know, he 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 he, he uh, interrupted at least three funerals that I could see. He caused a big ruckus by raising them from the dead. He, he spoke to those that were blind. He touched those that were blind and they had sight. He, he spoke to the lame and to the deaf and he healed them. Every time he spoke, something changed. Now, I, I, don't, want to get, I don't want to get too far afield and too modern, but there's a, there's a series out there that I really like. It's not completely, no, there is no series out there that's completely um, accurate to the scripture, but this is probably one of the most accurate series I've ever seen to the scriptures. Um, it's called The Chosen. And, uh, and the character of Mary Magdalene in that, uh, in that uh, series, The Chosen, makes a statement about her experience. And I, I wrote it down exactly, and I want to quote it. She said, when questioned about it, I don't understand it myself. Speaking about how she was possessed of demons, and now she's different. She said, I don't understand it myself, but here's what I can tell you. I was one way, and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Now, that's a pretty good way to put it, isn't it, for the new birth. I was one way, and now I'm different. And the difference is Christ, see. So what is the effect of the new birth? Well, we're told, we just read it here in Hebrews chapter 10, that he writes his laws in our hearts and minds. Remember what he said, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. Back in chapter 8 of Hebrews, turn back with me there to verse uh, 10. He says, this is the, he's quoting it some more here. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and write them into their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And notice verse 11, they shall not teach every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. I know that the primary message in the religious world today is, do you know him? <laughs> have you come to know him? You need to get to know him. Well, you know, that's not the message. He says we're not going to have to teach everybody his, and his neighbor to know the Lord, because when they're born again, you're going to know the Lord. You may not know a lot about him. You know, when the baby, when Meredith's baby is born, that baby's not going to know her name or John Morgan's name or my name or Sherry's name. They're not, it's not going to know how to do calculus. It's not even going to know how to do simple math. But he's going to know he's got a mama and a daddy that love him. He's going to know there's this entity there, whatever their name is and whatever their characteristics are, that care for him and take care of him. You see, when we're born of the Spirit, it's that way. There are many of us, praise God, that have grown up in church and know the name of Christ and understand that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who has uh, done this for us. But there are many in the dark reaches of Africa and the dark reaches of the Amazon jungles when we're told that God has a people in every kindred and nation and tribe and tongue. And down there, if, if, that's, if the Bible's true, that means there are children of God down there. That was American Indians. <laughs> All they knew about was the Great Spirit. <laughs> But if we believe the Bible, there were children of God among those American Indians, among those Eskimos, among those Inuit peoples, and wherever else you may find a tribe or a kindred or a family. People don't, all, they don't know all that they need to know about the Lord. 
But we don't have to tell them to know the Lord, come to know Him. Know the Lord. You know the foundation of God, we're told, stand sure. The Lord knoweth them that are His. That's the knowing that counts. <laughs> because when the new birth occurs, as a part of that new birth, there's a faith, and there's a hope, and there's a joy. It's not fleshed out yet. And by the way, that's the purpose of the church. Our job as church members, our job as a church, not just my job as preacher, your job is to give an answer to those that ask about the hope that lies within you and to share this good news with those born-again children of God. It won't be good news to one who's not born again, but it'll be the best news to one who's been born again. There's so many other places we could go. We see in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 3, we're told that uh, Paul says that those Corinthians were manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, written, uh, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. What happens in the new birth? He writes his laws in our hearts. Back over in chapter 2 of Romans where he talks about the Gentiles there that don't have the law. They don't have the written law, but by nature they do the things contained in the law. That's not the old man nature. That's, that nature doesn't care about the law, but that's a new nature, you see. And by nature they do the things contained in the law. He said, these having not the law are a law unto themselves which show the work of the law written in their hearts. They've been born again, you see. And these heart-written laws serve as the foundation for our walk with God in this life. So now as we close, what laws? What laws do you write in our hearts and minds? We read over in James chapter 2 and verse 8 about a royal law. A royal law. He says, the royal law according to the scripture is thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. In Matthew chapter 22, we read about a man that came to the Lord and asked him a question or two. In chapter 22 and verse 34, it says the Pharisees had heard that he'd put the Sadducees to silence and they kind of got together and wanted to trip him up. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And notice what Jesus said. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. We are told here that, I think it's Galatians chapter 5, that all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Timothy tells us, or Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 5, that the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. We're told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 9 that as touching brotherly love, Paul says to those Thessalonians, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. In other words, I don't know all the details, Brother Craig, of what was written in our hearts, but I know this. I believe it was the royal law of love. So when you see someone showing love, you see someone demonstrating love for God or love for their neighbors, then that's strong evidence that that one has been born again. The laws of love. And he tells us that 
in one place, even I believe it's 1 John chapter 3, he says, we know we have passed from death unto life. Why? Because we're keeping the law, because we're so orthodox in our practice, because we know so much about the scriptures. No, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. You see, he makes a change in us when the new birth comes. He writes his law of love in our hearts. And you will never be the same, child of God. Now, that doesn't mean you can't neglect it. You can. We talked about letting things slip this morning. That doesn't mean that you can't become the prodigal son yourself who leaves the house of the father and goes down and ends up in the pig pen. You can. You can be right there. But you'll never be happy in the pig pen. If you remember, the prodigal son wasn't happy down there. He was struggling. You know, the new birth always leaves a mark. There was a man breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the children of God on his way to a place called Damascus. And the Lord struck him blind with a blinding light. And Saul of Tarsus became Paul the Apostle and was never the same again. There was a thief already mentioned him. There was a thief on a cross. There wasn't one good thief and one bad thief. There were two bad thieves. Both of them, read Matthew 27 sometime, both of them were casting the same mocking in the teeth of Christ as everybody else around him. But something happened to one of the thieves. And it wasn't for a long period of time. He was bleeding out his last drops of his life's blood there on the cross. But a man who had no hope suddenly found hope. One thief appears to have never experienced that. He was just saying, save yourself and us. But that other thief who had been saying the same thing looked at the man who was being mocking and who was cursing Christ and said, Man, don't you know you're getting what you deserve? We both are getting what we deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And the glimmer of hope that I can see in his eye, and remember, hope is a fruit of the Spirit. That new birth changed a man on a cross to where instead of crying out in agony, he could cry out in hope and say, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. <laughs> what a statement of faith. He didn't look like a king with a kingdom. But that man had been born again on that cross, I believe. And the faith that he didn't fully understand and he didn't fully grasp had given him hope to turn to a man who didn't look like a king and say, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. See, the new birth leaves its mark. It, leaves, it makes a change. It's not a new truth. It's an old truth. It's been necessary and been happening since the time that Adam eight of the fruit praise God it's still happening today and we're told in Galatians chapter 4 and I believe it's verse 6 you want to know why it happened to you you want to know why it happened to someone out there and not someone else he said because you are sons the Lord has spent, sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying Abba Father it's not because you cried Abba Father that he sent his spirit you cried, Abba, Father, because, he, because you were his son, and he sent his spirit to you, you see. 
That's teaching the whole doctrine of salvation from election to regeneration right there. Because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. What a glorious thing the new birth is. And, and we believe that here at Zion Church. Praise God. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.